We're in the book of Genesis. If you would join me in chapter 45. We're looking at the story of Joseph as you're turning there. Genesis chapter 45. We're looking at the story of Joseph. And Joseph has revealed himself, or is it, I'm sorry, Joseph has, has uh, heard his brothers confess their sins of what they did to him. And here in verse 1 of chapter 45, we read these words, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, haste ye, and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith the son, thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there I will nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household of all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that is in my that it that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon the neck. He fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. We'll pick up in verse 16 next Sunday. Turn, if you would, now in your hymn books to... I mentioned this once already. Turn to Luke chapter 7, if you would. Our Lord works all things out for our good. That includes everything, including taking one of our loved ones from us. If you weren't with us in the Bible study, our brother Daniel Parks, known as D. D. Parks, that's Moose's son, passed away on Monday the 3rd. 
You know, that was exactly one year ago that they unplugged our brother Bill. Remember, Bill was riding his motorcycle on the way to the church for the conference. Last year. Yeah. And uh, the fireman revived his body, but his mind was never brought back. His body quit working the moment they took him off on the 3rd of July last year. I thought it was appropriate and very much a blessing for Chris Cunningham in the services yesterday for Dee Park. CD was good friends with Chris, very good friends. When Chris would travel uh, from, from College Grove to go somewhere and preach, Dee Parks was the one who normally preached for him. And they, he said, he described Dee Parks this way. He said, Dee and I worshipped together. And he wasn't just talking about Sunday morning. I thought to myself, Bill and I worshipped together. And I'm not talking about just Sunday morning. I began to say this message this way just a moment ago. Our Lord works all things out for the good of His people. To remind me of, of my passing of my dear friend, our Lord has brought us to a section of Luke where there's a funeral procession. Our Lord's been teaching much up till now, many things, his knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, many marveled at what he knew, this this one who had not attended any college classes, any teachings of the great scholars of that day knew the Testament Scriptures. Why? Because he was the one who inspired the prophets to write them. That's why. They were writing in the name of Jesus. Moses spoke of the things of Christ, didn't he? Isn't that what he said on the road to to Emmaus when the two disciples were, were wandering along in sadness and everything? He said, beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded in the scriptures the things concerning himself. He taught his ability to heal in miraculous ways. His authority to forgive sin. The blessings of God's elect and meekness, long-suffering, spiritual joy, and peace that was only found in him. And now we see something Astounding. On three separate occasions that I know of, our Lord Jesus raised people from the dead by His omnipotent grace, all power. In John 11, He raised Lazarus from the dead, one who had been dead for four days. In the eighth chapter of Luke's Gospel, our Savior raised the ruler's daughter to life. But here what we see in Luke 7 is the first time that our Savior's power over death seems to be given by raising someone from the dead. Look with me, if you would, at verse 11 through 17 of John chapter 7. And it came to pass the day after 
the day after that he had healed a man, a man's servant, a day after he had proclaimed this one who believed Jesus for who he was, had the greatest faith, no greater faith in all of Israel had been seen by the Lord. The day after that, that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. So he had a large crowd following him as he went through the city. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, verse 12, behold, there was a dead man carried out of the carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So here she is, a widow. She's got only one son, and he's died. Nobody left to take care of her. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. Weep not. He came and touched the briar coffin. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea, throughout all the region round about. What a sorrowful scene we're giving here. Our Lord has shown his power. He's shown that he has the authority to heal the sick, to give eyes to those who are blind, ears to those who can't hear feet to those who can't walk and they come across a poor folks you know today's world we our sister Donna she's a widow but she's in pretty good shape for being a widow in these days, back then, widows would be in very, very... They didn't have... They didn't have Social Security. Very, very few of them had built up enough to take care of themselves afterwards. When a husband or a, or a son would die, that's it. People were too busy caring for their own families. I mean, I'm sure there was some help coming from someone, maybe once here and there to some, but that wasn't the norm. So we see this sad situation of this woman who's weeping and mourning for her son's death. Not only has she lost her husband, she's now lost her son, of whom she loved, I'm sure. Imagine what Daniel, what Moose, is going through right now and his wife Sandy at the loss of their son. Imagine the sorrow that's going through their heart. You know, i got to stop there for just a moment because God's people sorrow, yes, but not like the world. Look up under Sermon Audio yesterday's message by Chris Cunningham 
and I think it's titled When Believers Die When Believers Die is the title I believe look it up and listen to him preach oh he preached a great message but here this woman this woman taking her son to be buried Our Lord and His disciples and the crowds following Him into the city, they ran into this funeral procession. There would be wailing. When our Lord Jesus came upon the scene of woe, He stepped into the life of this widow. He didn't stand back and let her go. No, He had compassion. Can we not be thankful? Our God is a compassionate God. Oh, that our Lord doesn't leave us to ourselves and stand back and watch the procession go by. No, that's not what he did at all, is it? He stepped into the life of this widow at a time, possibly the greatest sorrow she had ever experienced, he intruded where no stranger ought to intrude. If you were to come upon a funeral procession, what do we do in today's world? We stop and we let the funeral go through, don't we? We don't let the we don't we don't okay the light's green. You folks just stop what you're doing, we're coming through. Our Lord stopped when no one ought to stop. He interrupted the burial of the dead. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty thankful. I'm pretty thankful that the Son of God making such an intrusion of grace is pictured here in this passage for me. Multitudes of people are being carried out today, folks. There's funerals going on all around the world, all around us people who are dying who are completely unaware of their lost situation the very situation you and I were in at one time that could be me in that casket that could have been me that was me that was each and every one of God's children who walked through this. You know, I get this story one time. Somebody mentioned to me, said, "You know, John, you don't have to, you don't have to pound the pulpit so hard about our sin. We know what it is." Yes, I do. How are you going to know the depth of God's grace if you don't know the depth of your sin before Him? Those two things go hand in hand. The world's dying because they don't think they sin as badly as the Bible tells us that they do. I'm not such a bad person. I go to church on Sundays. I got into the baptismal. I give money to the coffer. I do this. I do that. I'm not a bad sinner. Oh, yes, we are. This never gets old to a, a true sinner. And that is, we are, we, we're not sinners because we sin. 
we sin because we are sinners. That's why we need a Savior. That's why the grace of God is so magnificent. It's such a sparkling diamond to us because we know we can't do anything in this flesh to earn it, to, 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 to deserve it. Oh, how thankful God's people are for our Lord intruding on our procession to death. People are being carried away swiftly to the graves. They're being carried away in glamour and glitter. What do they call it nowadays? What do they call that? The uh, celebration of life. <laughs> what is that? It's a big party. Celebrations of life. Oh, my sister, she was just, she was such a, a she was such a, a, a lively person. Everybody loved her. Let's get around her dead body, which is starting to stink, and, and, and celebrate what she was before she died. Daniel Parks specifically requested his body not be brought to the church where the services were yesterday. You know why? He wanted his, he wanted no distraction at all to the people who came to see to hear the message. He wanted them to hear the gospel. The good news. The good news to a sinner that Jesus Christ saves to the uttermost. I don't know about you, but that brings great hope to this poor sinner. Folks, unless the Lord Jesus steps into our lives, unless He stops the funeral procession and raises us from the dead by the power of His omnipotent grace, omnipotent grace, unless He does so, we're bound for an eternity in fire and brimstone. But here's something. Whenever the Lord intrudes into the lives of men and women in this world, those who experience His intrusion, they bow before Him in reverent fear. And they glorify God. Without question, our Lord's miracles display the fact of His eternal Godhead and the omnipotent power that is within Him. But they are intended to do much more than that. Those words that we just read, they are all designed to be pictures of His grace and salvation that is freely bestowed upon His chosen people. Do you think that was the only funeral procession in that day? Maybe in that little town it was, but funeral processions go on every... How many people... I, I can't remember the figure, but it's astronomical how many people die every minute. Yet our Lord chose this one. Our Lord chose Lazarus when Lazarus when he called Lazarus from the from the grave. Did, our Lord chose one of you. The day the Lord called me out of darkness, I was the only one in the church who had never heard the gospel before. I'm telling you, Gene Harmon was pointing at me. Just like that. How many of you say the same thing? I know Kathy said that many a times. I don't like him because he's always pointing at me. 
<laughs> I understood what she meant. I understood. I understood. Our Lord's miracles display the fact of His eternal Godhead, yet they are intended to do so much more. This picture is designed to show you and I and those who have never heard the true gospel that salvation is of the Lord alone. Listen to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This dead man could do nothing for himself. The people could do nothing for him. All they could do is carry the casket that he laid in down to the gravesite and put him in the ground. This is a story. The story of the funeral in Nain is designed to display, first thing is, the consequences of sin. You say, well, how is that? Have you ever stopped to think why everything dies? Why the flower comes up and then withers away? Why everything turns green and if you don't water it, like it, you know, like we do, it just starts to die out there. Folks, death is the cause of sin. All death. All decay is the cause of sin. This funeral procession is a vivid display of the consequences of sin. The Lord's Word says the wages of sin is death and everything that preceding death in this world is but a forerunner of it. All funerals are sad, but there is a picture of sadness without any mixture of pleasure. We, we stood in this very pulpit, didn't we, at the funeral of Bill Silva. But is there anyone here who would have desired him back? I miss Bill. I do to this day. But I would never desire him back. He's in the glory of Christ. He's in heaven itself in the presence of Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would I want him to come back to this body of death? Because that's what we're in. We're in a body of death. We're going to grow to a certain day. Just as Daniel Parks did when the day of the Lord had been marked for us. And we're going to leave this world. Just as many as our loved ones have. Not a day sooner. and Not a day later. There are no accidents to those who know God. There are no accidents. Everything happens for a purpose. I heard those words from our brother Scott Freshour. You recall he was baptized last Sunday here. He's working. He gets he gets off at like four or five in the morning, I guess. And, you know, after a hard night's work, twelve hours of work on it, he just I don't blame him, I'd be at home sleeping too. But I heard him say this very thing. He goes, God has shown me 
the truth in his sovereignty. Isn't that what we first isn't that what you first heard, James? The yeah. sovereignty of God. Yeah. Finally, I've heard, the Lord has opened my ears to hear the story of the one who deserves to be called God. The one who is God. There's no accidents with him. There's no maybes. There's no mites. There's no chance. There's no luck. Here we see a widow bearing her son who is her only son. Everything in the picture until the Lord Jesus steps in is misery and sorrow, grief and woe. That's the world. That's exactly what the case was with you and I. The corruption, the depravity, sin and race are evident because of our ours is the race of sick, dying, sorrowful men. We live in a world of sickness and sorrow, drudgery and death, wickedness and woe. I would understand completely. how somebody who does not know the Lord would take their life. Would take their own life in a world that is such as it is today. Sin is the root of all sorrow. Were it not for sin, the world would be free of tears and cares. Were it not for sin, there would be no sickness, no doctors, no hospitals. We wouldn't need any of that stuff. In Romans 5.12 it says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Look over at Revelation 21 verse 8. Turn over to the 21st chapter of Revelation. Our Lord gives us a warning here in verse 8 of Revelation 21 to those who are in unbelief, to those who walk as you and I once walked. It says in verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But blessed be to God, things change when Christ comes into the picture. When the Lord Jesus steps into a sinner's world of woe, all that was misery, all that was seen before is now seen to be mercy. When He comes again, He'll make all things new and remove all of His creation from all of the evil consequences of sin. Look at Revelation 21, verses 1-7. through and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself 
shall be with them. Remember what the last verse of our text said? The prophet has come among us and God hath visited his people. That's what we read right there. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto them that is a thirst, a fountain of the water of life freely. He that cometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he will be my son. Secondly, we see the compassion of our Savior here. We not only see the results of sin, we see the compassion of our Savior. God the Spirit here gives us a a beautiful display of our Savior's compassion. It says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and he said unto her, Weep not. Weep not for Bill Silva. Weep not for Daniel uh, Parks. They're with him. Weep not for the world that is swallowing us up around us and, 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 and getting waxing worse and worse. Weep not for it. I have conquered the world, he says to you and I, his people. I've overcome the world. In the world we will have tribulation, death, But our Lord has overcome all of that through His Son, the Lord Jesus. How deep is this compassion of our Savior's heart? Folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, we only see a drop of God's compassion. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, when we put this body of death, when the Lord takes us out of this body of death, into His beautiful presence, we're going to see the depth of His compassion and understand all. What we see right now, the magnificence of His grace, the the bright shining diamond of His grace, is just just a drop of how deep it goes. When we hear Him in His word, I have loved you with an everlasting love, that's just a drop of the depth of His love for you and I. When we see God becoming flesh so that He might walk righteously on this earth, establishing a righteousness for you and I who have none, when we see the depth of that, oh, what wondrous things we will see when we stand with the Lord in heaven. What wondrous things Bill sees right now. I love that statement. I, I, I don't know who came up with it, but somebody said something. You know, Bill was on his way to hear a message from the Lord, not knowing that he was going to hear it from God's own lips that very day. That excites me. Because there's a day for each of us when we will put away, when the Lord will put away this body of death and shine His 
shine and will stand in his shining glory forever. Our Lord showed his compassion. You know, God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to send his only begotten Son. He's God. He could have done anything. Yet in the wisdom of God, his Son, the Lord Jesus, was manifest for you and I. This very one who walked this earth, he can he can he's compassionate because he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Isn't that what his word says? Isn't that what it says? This is the one who wept with Martha and Mary at their brother's tomb. This very one who wept, God in the flesh, wept because he understands what Martha and Mary were going through and the sadness of losing their brother. If he understands that, is there anything that you and I could be going through that our Lord doesn't understand? Not at all. Not at all. Our Lord meets with the mournful procession and he observes what has happened and is happening. His heart is moved towards this poor woman and he doesn't wait for her to invite him. He doesn't wait for her to make a decision. Uh, oh, there's that guy, Lord Jesus. Come on over here. No. Aren't you thankful the Lord didn't wait for you? God's people are very thankful that he, that he didn't wait for us, aren't we? Because now that we can see, now that we've been given eyes to see the truth about things, we know we would have never come to Him, don't we? We know we were looking for Him in truth. Yet He sought us out. He came and interceded in the procession that we were on before He gave us life. He just steps in. In His sovereign mercy, He says to the woman, Weep not! What a friend we have in Jesus. Folks, there's no friend or comforter that can be compared to our Savior Christ. Perhaps those two words sounded strange to this woman. Perhaps even cruel. What do you mean, don't weep? What do you mean, don't weep? I can't help it. My sin is overcoming me. I'm nothing but sin from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm nothing but sin before God. What do you mean don't weep? Our Lord says it's finished. <laughs> Salvation is complete in Him. And He cannot fail. In all the days of our darkness, He is light. Brother Clay Curtis preached a message last Tuesday night titled, when believers walk in darkness. Another message, I highly encourage you. This poor sinner that stands before you was highly blessed. My Lord was exalted above all things in that message. He just blessed me, blessed me, because you know, folks, as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death, we will walk in darkness at times. There's no, there's no question. You will. You will. Christ Jesus himself walked in darkness, didn't he? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
think that was dark? Oh, to have God Almighty turn His back on you is dark as dark can get. To leave you to yourself, to follow what you think and what you feel light is, that's darkness. Thirdly, we see the character of our sovereign. This story sets before us the character of the Almighty. Merciful. It says in Romans 10, 20, Turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. And while you're turning there, let me read from Romans 10 verse 20. I was found of them that sought me not, and I was made manifest unto them that asked not for me. Oh, the mercy of God for His people. In Ezekiel chapter 16, look at the compassion our Lord has. Look at the character of mercy our God has. In verse 6, And when I passed by thee, the Lord said, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood. This is the same thing, folks. When he passed by, he was passing by through this city, and here he comes upon a, a funeral procession, and he sees this man polluted in his own sin. He sees this woman torn with, with anguish and, and Sorrow over the loss of her of her loved one. I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Remember the day when the Lord said that to you? I do, just as clear as a bell. I'll never forget that day. Some folks, you know, I... I I wish everybody could remember the day like I did. Some don't, though. The Lord works differently in every person. Some the Lord brings into in a gradual, a gradual way. They, they may let, let them hear the Word of God for a while, and then they may wander off a bit, like our brother Scott. That's what happened to Scott. The Lord called him into the outer darkness. He, he came, he heard the preachers preach at the conference. He, he was blessed by the messages and then for some reason the Lord just let him go and he wandered off and went into Presbyterianism for a while, went into free willism for again for a while, but then the Lord wouldn't leave him there. The Lord brought him back. Going on, it says, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, Live, I, saith the Lord, have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into the covenant, into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Fourthly, we see the conditions of salvation, and I'll be quick about this. This event was brought to pass by God's wise and good providence specifically to show us the conditions of our salvation. 
The first one is this. It had to be the will of God. These folks, they would have, you know, if it hadn't been the will of God, if it wasn't God's will to save this man, they'd have just kept right on going, wouldn't they? If it had not been the will of God to save you and I, would we have not just kept on going wherever it was we were going at the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Secondly, it had to be the work of God. There was nothing going... They, they couldn't do anything about this man being dead. Only Christ can give life. And that's exactly what He has done to each and every one of His children. In the day of His love, when He saw us polluted in our own blood, the Lord Jesus Christ walks by and He says, Live! With the power of God, He says, Live! I'm not quite ready yet, Lord. Can I check back with you on that in a couple days or so? You know, I'm really having a great time watching football right now. This is not a good time for me to do this. When our Lord passed by His disciples on the seashore, He said, Come, follow me. The power of God spoke, and they followed Him. When the Lord passed by through rescue and said, I see you in your puddle of blood, John Reeves, live John Reeves lived. Oh, you know what I skipped when I first I said the will of God. Secondly, it's the word of God. I said secondly, it was the work of God. That's actually the third one. That's all right though. Let's go back to that second one, the word of God. The word of God had to come. The Word of God had to come. What does it say in our text? It says, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. Which follows right along with what we just said a moment ago, so I'll leave it at that. But blood atonement... Well, first off, all who obtain God's salvation must be ransomed from the curse of the law. That's what the Lord Jesus did for us by the sacrifices of Himself at Calvary. Listen to the words of Galatians chapter 3. I'll turn there because I'm kind of out of time. So I'm just going to turn over there quickly and read it for you. In, in Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Chapter 3 verse 13 being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessings of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit of faith. The sacrifice of Christ must be done. Blood atonement alone, though, does not take anyone to heaven. Every ransomed sinner must be delivered from the prison and grave of sin and power by God the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Listen to John 5.25 Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they, shall hear, and they that hear shall live. None will ever be saved except Christ be formed in them except that they be made new creatures in Christ. 
except that they be born again, as we read in John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. And then in verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You must be born again. No one is, has any hope of glory until he has been made to be a partaker of the divine nature. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Actually, I'm, I'm going to change that. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> There's another work that is necessary as the ransom of our souls by the blood of Christ and it's just as necessary as the new birth. Every chosen, blood-bought, heaven-born soul must be transformed in the resurrection glory into the very likeness of our Savior. That means every child of God will be transformed, must be transformed into the likeness of our Savior. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, we read these words, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall, every, and so shall we ever be with the Lord Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Folks, just as we have heard in this passage, nothing of salvation is man capable of doing for himself. We need a mediator. We need a go-between. We need a sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice Father, don't worry about it. God will provide it Himself. Isn't that what Abraham said to his son? Nothing to fear. Fear not. Our Lord is that sacrifice. He is our mediator. He is our proof of our resurrection. He is our all in all. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Amen.